0: hey guys what's up it is week 61 uh, i have some reviews for you of course and a big update uh but first i want to start this out with um the talking about the slaughterhouse slumber party kickstarter uh it's uh dr- going to be made by uh director dustin mills uh Uh, It's on Kickstarter right now. The trailer just premiered. It has a bunch of people uh, attached to it. Um, Aaron Ryan, Haley Madison, Kayla Elizabeth, Kenzie Phillips. A lot of people that you'd recognize if you're familiar with Dustin's work or other people's uh, work in the independent horror scene around Ohio. So uh, if you like what you see, go ahead and uh, donate to the Kickstarter. If you like Dustin's movies and whatnot, uh, yeah, the link will be below. So check it out. Uh, I want to start this one out a little bit different. Instead of starting it out with, you know... Uh, I usually save these for the end, but I'm starting it right off the bat with the weekly Western. Let's go. Why not? Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. Say when. God, get it, get I should really say weekly westerns because it is the complete sartana. this is five sartana films the only official ones in the series uh, like many spaghetti westerns the uh, series had that problem where it was uh, they made 500 spaghetti westerns in like a 10 year period and uh, there was sartana ripoffs, Django ripoffs, Trinity ripoffs, all sorts of stuff here so yeah. There's the five official uh, um, Sartana films. I watched them all back-to-back. I had never seen them before, so bear with me. They do bleed together a little bit. Uh, Four of the five uh, star uh, Gianni Garco, and one of them stars George Hilton. Both these guys have been in a bunch of Italian stuff. Gianni Garco I know from Five for Hell with Klaus Kinski, the war film, and George Hilton's in uh, some Sergio uh, Martino, uh, gialli. So the first one, I must admit, I put the first Sartana in, and I was like, okay, we're going to see something pretty cool and uh it was solid it was fine but it was a little it it let me down a little bit but what it did is it set this character and it made me uh kind of be used to the character of uh uh sartana and uh that 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 was a, a major help for the rest of the series but the first one to me is so convoluted in that everybody is just backstabbing everybody that's how they all are they're all deceitful it'd be more of a surprise if somebody was actually on the level uh, this one it has uh, you know some some familiar faces. Again, uh, it has the guy, uh, the Mexican, uh, one of the Mexican guys in um, from the Ringo movies, Pistol for Ringo and Return of Ringo. He pops up in this one as one of the villains. But this one just really fell kind of flat for me. It was solid. Like I said, it was well-made. I liked Gianna Garko. I liked the character of Sartana, but it just felt just so typical and just very convoluted for what it was. Uh, but it did have Klaus Kinski and William Burton in it. Claus is a little wasted, but he's fun. Uh, William Berger plays a decent character. All the movie's about gold and gambling and getting the best of people, and Gianni Garko is uh, pretty much uh, Sartana. That's what he's all about, and he's really good at it. I love the character. Well, I like the character in this one. I don't love him until later, and uh, I thought it was a, a satisfying movie, but not perfect. And I, you learn a lot on this disc. Uh, it has a commentary by a German fellow who loves these movies, and he talks about the history of the Sartana films. And what's interesting is he talks about how there was a movie with a character called Sartana played by Gianni Garko before this, but it's a completely different character and it's not part of this series. He plays like a villain, which is kind of unique that it kind of they took that title and they took the actor who played that character and they they made a whole series out of it. So that was interesting as well. And uh, I believe there's a interview with the director on here, too, who's like in his 90s. And uh, it, it's pretty interesting stuff. He's still out there trying to make movies. Uh, the sequel um, Let me go through the titles on all these because they all kind of go together, to be honest. The first one is, If You Meet Sartana, Pray For Your Death. I am the second one is I am Sartana, your angel of death. I'm sorry. I'm, it's just so hard to remember. Sartana's here. Trade your pistol for a coffin. Have a good funeral. My friend Sartana will pay and light like the fuse. Sartana is coming. So, uh, the second one, I thought this one was a vast improvement on the first one in every aspect. Um, uh, Gianna Garco is back again. And, uh, this one, he, um, it opens up with a bank robbery, which, which I loved. And, uh, Sartana's set up to be this, uh, as he's like part of a bank heist, which he actually didn't do. And so all these, uh, uh, weird kind of assassins. There's a $10,000 bounty on his head. They go after him. One's Klaus Kinski. This is one of my favorite Klaus Kinski roles I've ever seen. This movie, this whole series uses reuses the same actors as different characters throughout. Except Sartana is always the same character. But uh, Klaus Kinski in this movie, he has a gambling problem. He can't stop gambling. And uh, his interactions with Sartana, his interactions with other people are wonderful. He's kind of like soft spoken and almost really um, eccentric in almost a flamboyant way. And he's just one of the best bad guys in the movie. And he's just really fun to be around. Frank Wolf's also in this one, which gives Sartana the first time he had a partner in this series. And uh, I like Frank Wolf. He pops up in a great silence and, uh, you know, some other Giallo as well. And uh, he had an untimely end, as I learned through the commentary, that he committed suicide uh, shortly after these movies, like a few years in the early 70s. So that's always like like I said, these things are loaded with features on top of that, commentaries and historians talking about it. Um, So so I enjoyed hearing that. But this one I thought was just a lot more fun. I love the bank robbery angle in the beginning and how it it plays with everything. And what's fun is the Sartana character in all these movies. He's always like uh, not overconfident. He is confident and he always gets the best of the bad guys for the most part. But he's always trying new things and trying traps and stuff, and they don't always work in the movies. So that's always nice to see. And uh, he's kind of like... Is that gonna work? Is that and his facial expressions are really fun about it, and I like that he has these signature things like his gun is a very unique gun throughout the whole movies. His, his little gun. He also uses knives at times, and of course the cards. He uses cards and tricks and magic and whatnot. But it's never supernatural. It's always kind of just like sleight of hand and whatnot, and him just outsmarting the bad guys. He's a very interesting character type, and he dresses fancy and stuff, and it's kind of like to set him apart from the other kind of characters like Django and Ringo and uh, you know the good and bad and ugly guys that were around at the time. But uh, this one, I said, is a vast improvement on all of them. Uh, the twists and turns are better and whatnot, and the ending's more satisfying. It's easier to follow. It's just a better movie. Um, the third one, actually, is the one with George Hilton in there. And uh, this it was a little bit uh, strange to see George Hilton in the very beginning, how it switched from Johnny Garco in the middle of a series, mind you. Um, so I was like, okay, this is a bit strange. But after a while, I got used to him. He's not, not as... Uh, playful with his facial expressions or just playful in general as garko but he's still solid and he he works pretty well and i like this one because he has like a um an equal to him there's this guy called sabbath that comes in the town of Sabata if you watch the Italian version, but he comes the town and he's all in white and Garko's dressed in dark and uh, they're all working to be hired to protect this stagecoach, to protect the gold, but of course the gold's not even in there because there's all these double crossings and whatnot, and uh, of course it all comes together at the end, and it's fun, it's well made. Um, um, I, I enjoy this one. Uh, the fourth one, um, it uh, follows, I can't even remember, the fourth one is, i am going to take a peek at my notes here. Uh, the fourth one is... Uh, Oh, oh this one's a little bit unique sartana is hired he's basically uh witnesses this murder sorry there's they, they bleed together because I watched them back to back but he witnesses this murder of this so uh, friend of his so he goes into town and uh, it's over this property and this is basically a big property dispute and this is one's fun because you see sartana play both sides play a bunch of sides here and uh, kind of do a lot of switching around and have this deed and whatnot and this one this one is pretty fun as well like I said they're all pretty fun and I can't remember if this I believe this is the one where they hire these four brothers that come after him and uh, yeah this is the one with the Asian influence where the east meets the west in here and I like seeing that but uh, they hire these four brothers that come in and they're played by the infamous stunt doubles who were in Zombie there's like a, a brother of seven brothers and they always played in Italian stunt stuntmen but there's four of them in this one and uh, that's a great scene that's really fun. And uh, you know that that whole action sequence is great. Uh, in these movies, Sartana probably kills like fifty people a movie. There's never blood. There's barely ever blood, and uh, and whatnot. So you get that. And the last Sartana movie, like the fuse, is uh, nice because it opens up in a prison. And I didn't I didn't see that coming here. So it's part kind of like a prison movie and uh, Sartana kind of tricks these three people that are after the gold. They're all very similar movies. This one does have a really great chase scene on a wagon, though, which I appreciated, and it also has a nice scene in the mine, and it also has a really funny scene involving this little uh, like mechanical robot that he constantly plays with here, and uh, it, it, these movies are very clever in how things unfold. The character, I would say, is super clever. Garko, uh, or Sartana, is just one of the most clever kind of guys, and he survives on his wits and his speed. But uh, these are fun. They have a lot of features on, like I said. Ernesto Godaldi is interviewed on here. He's a writer of a couple of these uh, the actors are interviewed. There's stuff all with Johnny Garko and George Hilton on here. Some are archival, some aren't. So this thing, these things are loaded. There's commentaries on I believe three of them. The the sec- the first, second, and third, and maybe fourth, maybe. Or it's the first, second. There's like three or four commentaries on the whole series. There's a nice booklet. Uh, it's a nice uh to see all these movies together. And I wish that a lot of the spaghetti western series would get this nice treatment where they're all together. I know that the Trinity films aren't all out yet. I don't think. And uh, my name is nobody. Doesn't. Have a sequel. It's not released here on Blu-ray, but yeah, it's a really cool set from um, uh, Arrow, and I don't know anybody else that would have taken the appreciation to do that and track down all five of these or and whatnot. So it's a cool set. If you like spaghetti westerns, these are all uh, good to great, or not great, good to better, very good. I would say. I would say the first one's good, and the rest are all very good. They're very fun. Uh, they do bleed together. They're not the most memorable movies on earth, but they have a, a good score, well acted by the lead, and uh, I think that if you saw these over time, they would stay with you more instead of one big junk. But uh, what I saw, I did enjoy them. They're the Sartana collection. So check it out. Hard luck, mister. You shouldn't have poked your nose in this. Better pray for your mortal soul. I'll pray for yours. If I tell you, promise to let me go... He realized that Sartana was such a big hit in Germany that he immediately took Johnny Garko under contract. The use of the cloak and a draped uh, over the shoulders uh, that was not dissimilar to Christopher Lee's Dracula cloak in the Hammer films. Not dissimilar at all. fisico del, dell'uomo, del cowboy di gente che sta nella prateria. Where do you think you are going? Can you read? That sign means you Clearato, I lose my temper to pray for your souls too good book says pray not only for the virtuous pray for the sinners also they need it most deserves got nothing to do with it you have to shoot shoot don't talk okay guys the next one i have to review for you is called head by john bristol this is a strange movie i only have a screener copy uh so i can't show you anything but this is a weird movie this is a slasher movie but it's all a puppet movie but it has a horror host on top of that uh it's very short it is like runs in at about an hour and a couple minutes here but with that uh it's introduced by a horror host and they basically do a zombie short, and then they get into the main feature. Uh, this is this is weird, because when you have all puppet cats, you think Meet the Feebles or maybe Puppet Monster Massacre. And uh, something like Puppet Monster Massacre uses green screens, so the size matches the puppets, and everything kind of fits into this weird world. And I remember re- when the first time I saw Puppet Monster, I was like, I don't know how I feel about the green screen. But then when you watch stuff like Meet the Feebles, it makes sense that the puppets are actually in a regular world, because some of the puppets are a human size, so they would use human utensils. This one is strange because the puppets are a little bit smaller, but they drive cars. They use uh, all the same equipment that everyone else uses. So it's just strange. You'll see a car driving or an angle of a car pulling up, and then these little puppets will get out. It's a little strange. But uh, saying that, it it basically follows your typical slasher movie in the beginning. There's uh, nudity, of course, and uh, it's called Head because the, the killer hacks off heads. And after, after about 15 minutes, uh, I started to get into it, and I started to get into the groove. And I realized that it, it has some really, like, kind of sophomoric humor, but the characters are sophomoric. And it, it's funny, and it has some gore, and it has some silly moments. Some of the character things at the end are a little silly. Why do people do this? Why did they do that? And whatnot, and... But all in all, it, it's kind of a, a fun little movie. I, I think that the, the tacked-on host in the beginning and the uh, zombie story, which is fun, but they're obviously added on like just to kind of pad the time and make this a feature or not necessarily such a short, because without that, it's probably running in about 55 minutes or something like that, 50 minutes. But uh, I think that people will enjoy this one. There's plenty of kills in the movie with the puppets, and I, I appreciate that they actually went out and made a puppet horror movie. Um And at times, I like the plot and I like the reveal. And uh, although it does seem a little strange at the end, you don't know 100% exactly um, how things unfold, to be honest. And I do think that they have uh, do that point where they get all the characters are still alive, and then they all just kind of go really quick back to back to back. And you're kind of like, well, you know, I know it's good to, you know, make these characters full characters, but at the same time, I don't want to see them all get wiped out so quickly back to back when you could have padded in, you know, more. Paste your time paste your kills a little bit better but uh you know it's it's all right and i appreciate that not many people go out and make puppet movies and i laughed a couple times there's some good jokes in here some of the puppet designs are fun well they they look completely different and whatnot so yeah and it has some gore in there and it has a nice little twist at the end and there's a cool shrine scene like every slasher movie they have to have a shrine where all all the bodies are hidden and i really like the shrine in this one it's pretty cool Wow, this place is sweet. Too bad for you guys, there's only two chicks. She takes that camera everywhere with her. <gasps> guys, guys! Somebody's stalking around out there. <gasps> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Three years ago, three women disappeared camping. No case was even opened by the police. She thinks. Anything to sleep in the comfort of an air mattress. I'd watch your back, sweetie. I'd watch it real good. I need some air. In the of the damn woods. Semantics. <laughs> I really expected you to scream. Oh my. At least you kept your head on straight. Joe has no head. Okay, the next one is The God Inside My Ear. This was sent to me by the filmmakers, uh, Joe Badden. I believe this is his first movie. He hadn't done anything else. And this is a strange one. This is one of these movies where it's uh, kind of like surreal, but kind of also silly at times, only because the characters are so zany and bizarre. Well, this girl, um, her boyfriend leaves her to join kind of a cult. And after that, she starts to have this mental breakdown and she starts to slip into some weird thing where her mind starts to go a little bit. And she starts seeing weird things. She starts hallucinating. But she lives in a world where everybody's even crazier than she thinks she is so she'll go and she tries to date new people and they're just completely insane uh her landlady is completely annoying and loud and she has a dog it reminds me of very much of the bell Ferreira miss 45 situation here where we have that annoying landlord constantly uh knowing zoe so there's that in there there's that aspect and then her friend aspect kind of like uh looking into her But uh, there's a lot of scenes where they kind of just go surreal and do some cool things. I like the lead actress. I think she's pretty good. Uh, There's obviously some religious context in here and stuff. But it's one of those things where all the characters, it's almost like, I don't want to say Rosemary's Baby because the filmmaking Rosemary's Baby is completely different. It's a much more serious movie, but it has like, this one feels fairly serious most of the time. Um, But then you have these weird characters that come in that are completely nutsoid and they they're just so strange that And then you kind of have that psychological thing going on It's kind of like a low-budget artsy and I don't wanna say artsy because Roman Polanski is artsy But low-budget like kind of uh, inspiration from something like a Polanski or something But also a little bit zanier and goofier Especially when you introduce a talking dog, which is just I think a little bit too much in this one But uh, there's some uh, pretty unique moments I I don't think the kills particularly were all that great, but the movie's not really about the kills And uh, the twist in this movie, the twist actually done, it's one of these deals where um, I'm watching and I'm like, I don't follow how we got there 100%, but I feel that if I watched this again and paid super close attention, well, knowing the ending and knowing what's happening here, I would know if the movie is good or bad, if that makes any sense to anyone, because I didn't catch some things, which was the reveal of the ending, I saw some things but I didn't catch everything and I'm kind of seeing like, I feel like I'm missing a point or they missed something major in the movie. And I doubt it's the the latter. So I really would like to check this one out again and watch it again, knowing the ending. It's one of those deals like in memory of. When I was watching it, I was like this is pretty good and then the ending came and I was like, "Huh." And then I thought about it, then I watched it with the commentary. And I was like, "Duh, that's good. And I started watching it again and I seen what how it was going and I was like, "Oh, yes, that's very smart." But uh and this one's the same kind of way, I think, but I, I don't really particularly like the ending as uh, it stands right now in my head. I'm just thinking uh, I feel like I've seen that before. But then again, I do like this uh, you know, the psychological horror movies where people you don't know if they're going crazy or not. It's kind of that deal. And uh, not necessarily like, uh, what is that one? Darling, because that one's a little bit darker and a little less, less colorful, obviously, because it's black and white. But, um, you know, I think this one might be interesting and I would definitely check out the director's other work, but uh, I'm not 100 percent sure how I feel on it. I do like the lead and I do like kind of how they did this a lot in like, like a couple locations. So Apartment takes, you know, so I, I think it's a it's, it's a fairly well made, like, uh, you know, debut uh, independent feature. That's uh, the God inside my ear. you. Hypnotize me. Are you okay with that? At this point, I'll try anything. Okay. Well, I need you to look into my eyes and pick your hands up like you were surrendering. Good. Now focus. I see men. What kind of men? Men. Controlling me. Harming me. And how do you feel? I'm broken. Ashamed. Controlled. for you. Okay, we have another screener that was sent to me. This is Taste Me, Descort Service Three. Uh, usually, these were directed by uh, Sean Donahue. They were made by the sleezebox guys, but Chris Woods, uh, sleezebox director, actually directed this one. Uh, this one runs in at about an hour and forty minutes, which I thought was kind of long for these. Uh, the first Descort Service was one of the sleaziest movies I saw. It kind of reminded me of like a more like a low budget modern day like uh, you know New York Ripper or something like that, and uh, I appreciated what they were going for. I, I felt a little less uh, about the sequel. And, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of a, a rehash a little bit. And this one, it's not a rehash. I don't know how I particularly feel about it, but it, the plot's a little bit different. And uh, I think that that's kind of cool. Instead of having, you know, someone strictly killing all these women, there's uh, this other angle about, a, a, and it focuses more so on the prostitutes and uh, a character who's hired as security played by eight the Chosen One in there. So there's that going on. And they actually kind of develop some, you know, emotional levels in here. It has the sleaze box regulars, a bunch of people. Almost all of them are in this one. Bob Glazer, um, Sean Donnie, he makes an appearance, Ate the Chosen One, uh, Ashley Caputo, I believe you say her last name, uh, Crystal Pixie Adams, a bunch of them are in here. I recognized almost all of them from the previous films were in this one. And uh, Joel D. Winekoop, of course. It's always great to see him. And the guy who plays the other cop, I can't remember, he pops up in all of them, too. So if you like their movies, it has all their cast in here. I must say that this is one of the they keep getting sleazier and sleazier and sleazier. To be honest, this is so graphic at times that I'm it's like one step above being a porno at times there's no penetration or anything like that but uh there's real masturbation um there's real um there's you don't see this much typical full frontal nudity in movies to be honest and uh all shapes and sizes of women naked in here there's naked guys everything so lots of weird stuff going on in this movie but Ate the Chosen One uh, basically saves a prostitute for being assaulted, and he gets hurt in the process. This this uh, prostitution house takes him in and helps him, and they say, you want to be security here? He agrees, realizes something strange going on. Joel D. Wynkoop and his partner are trying to figure out who's killing these girls, but something else is happening. It's called Taste Me, and there's a little bit of uh, cannibalism going on, if you guys know what's going on. So, yeah, and uh, I like the twist to to that. It's a little bit different, and I think that usually, you know, just the typical slasher thing is... Is, it's been done. we already seen that a couple of times, which is nothing really wrong with that, but I like that they added some new elements to it. Uh, there's some sound issues uh, in the beginning outside. I noticed that almost uh, in the beginning, just at a couple of times when they're outside, you can hear like against the camera. That's typical in a lot of low-budget movies. Um, Eight's uh, always fun to watch. I think that he uh, is very dedicated actor, and Joel D is always one of my favorites to watch because he's also very dedicated and extreme, and uh, I like that in a low-budget cinema. Uh, this movie has like a lot of serious gross things in there, a lot of nasty gore. I don't think the kills are as inventive as the first two movies, um, but um, it does have a lot of sleaze in it, if that's what you're looking for. Almost too sleazy for me, to be honest. It's just a little bit uh, kind of gross and stuff. But um, I do think that... I like that they changed it around. I don't think the kills are as strong... But I think that some of the performances are maybe some a little bit better. I think that the role Bob Glazer got the play was really fun for him, and he uh, he has fun with it. And I like when he looks at the camera at one point and does this. He kind of winks at the camera. And the way that was done was actually, I think, Really appropriate. The one major complaint about this movie is that it doesn't really know its tone. At times, it's uh, it's fairly serious and fairly like dark drama. At times, and graphic and gross, nasty horror movie sleaze thing. And then other times, it gets really silly. Like the whole movie comes to a complete stop during this scene where this guy, you know, hires some prostitutes to lose his virginity on his birthday, and uh, the whole movie comes to like a screeching halt and becomes almost like a comedic scene for like fifteen minutes. And uh, it's not necessarily like worse than the rest of the movie. It just doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. I mean, this is one of these deals that you know what you're getting into. If you like the first two, you should like this one. Uh, I don't know if this one's necessarily for me either, but it's uh, it's sleazy. It's like a modern day ruffie or something like that. I would say that the sleaze box does the most modern day ruffies without actual penetration. I know this was coming out very shortly, and uh, they advertised for a fourth one coming out, too. But, uh, yeah, it's got a slew of uh, Sleazebox regulars. It's got all the nasty, uh, you know, murders and stuff and actual guts and just gross things happening, people doing really explicit things. Man, i got to say that the sleaze Box actors and actresses are a dedicated bunch. They do lots of stuff that I don't think a lot of uh, actors and actresses would do. They don't seem to have many limits. They must really trust their filmmakers that they're working with. But, yeah, if you like their sort of things, you should like them. This one, uh, I think that's uh, um, for me. It's just, uh, it's just really sleazy, really dirty, and uh, sometimes I like that. Um, I typically like my sleazy, dirty is uh, New York and stuff like that, old school movies. But yeah, this is uh, you know more sleaze from Sleazebox. Hello, love. How are you doing this evening? I want you to do. Whatever you gotta do so we can bring this motherfucker to justice. I'll get this fucking bastard, I promise. Good evening, sir. My name is Frederick. Come on in. I'm checking out a missing persons report. Some wacko is targeting girls from here and I need to find her before the killer does. Don't you understand? There's a killer on the loose. You don't need to protect him. That's what I'm here for. Hey guys, we're here to do uh, another Wolf Cop. The sequel to Wolf Cop. Uh, I didn't really care for the first Wolf Cop, I'm going to be honest. Like I, uh, When I watched that, uh, I just felt a little disappointed, but uh, like, uh, I knew that the sequel was going to be better. We had talked about it on the podcast, the Shut Up Brandon podcast. We were like, oh, I think the sequel will be better, they can make an improvement. And that's exactly what they did. It's almost like they listened to everything that everybody had negative to say about it, and it went out and improved it. Have you ever seen a movie more Canadian than this? No. I don't think I've ever seen a more Canadian movie than another Wolf Cop. I don't think I've ever seen a movie take place in Canada. They try to hide it back in the old movies. There's a bunch that you can tell as you get older that they're Canadian movies, but then they like try to hide it. But now they just embrace it as they should. But um, this is so Canadian that it even has... Uh, kevin smith in it who's american but who loves canada so much <laughs> he's actually the mayor in this movie and it's funny because he's like uh we he's the mayor but he's wearing his uh standard hockey jersey underneath it uh this uh follows uh, wolf cop of course uh and it's basically um as he fights an evil organization that's bent on overtaking the world it feels like a comic book it's kind of raunchy over mm-hmm. the top really silly And uh, it has inspirations from, like, RoboCop and stuff like that. Even the opening with the Astron 6 boys is a lot like the uh, opening of RoboCop with the uh, van driving away and stuff. I love that. I love seeing that. But, uh, yeah, it's gorier. The special effects are really good in this one. They are really good, really practical mm-hmm. too. I didn't see any CGI, which you got to give it up when a movie goes out and does practical effects for ninety percent of the movie. When it's so unheard of to do that kind of thing nowadays, uh, I thought Wolf Cop looked pretty good himself, and they up. There's even a be- there's a better sex scene in this one than the first one. What do you think about it? Um, I like I like everybody's costumes. Um, they the little gremlins that show up later on in the movie were pretty sweet the basic plot of the movie is um they bring back one of the old characters and they do a really stupid way to say that (laughs) yeah why he was gone and it wasn't really the original one you don't really care because i hated the ending the first wolf cop but uh, i like what they do they bring back this character and um the way they they have this evil organization that wants to plant these things, little creatures in your body through beer, and they come out and they pop out of your body and they can kill you and they run amok and they look like a little lizard gremlins. So it has inspiration from gremlins as well as Robocop. And uh, it just feels really like, very 90s actually. It feels late 80s, early 90s toxic waste style movie to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it is like a toxic waste movie. Um, the soundtrack in it, like um, the musical numbers are phenomenal yeah they're very fun and they're it, very catchy they're yeah. stuck in my head you're a strange animal yeah that song and it's actually an old song too. it is I think yeah they got the rights to that song but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The special features are a little short, only 5-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute little segments. They're okay. Um, I actually like what they did. They, they seem to have a lot of fun, and I, I hope they keep making them because they're getting better. Like, the first one, like I said, was okay, but this one I really loved. I, I couldn't find anything that I hated about it. It's very stupid. It's very silly, but it, it's fun, and it just never let me down. I was never bored throughout the entire movie. Lots of effects. Uh, they make a nice little small town, and they do these, like, they this. it's actually kind of like classic, Clever comedy at times, too. Like the reoccurring gag. Every time somebody on the radio, like you hear it on the other side, because like, that's exactly how those are. You're just like, what? And like every time somebody talks on the radio, they're like, hey, 10 4. And then it'll cut through the other side and be like, and it does it like 50 times. Just made me laugh so much. And Kevin Smith's got a great role in it. The acting ranges. Some of it's not as good as the others. You know, some people stand out. Some people are a little bad. But, you know, it is an independent movie. They're not bad, but they're just not as good as some of the other ones. Ultimately, it all works. It all works. It fits and, perfect, and everything's funny in it. It's all funny. It's all silly, mm-hmm. and it's all practical gags and effects and whatnot. It just—it's just a blast. And uh, they incorporate, like I said, it has the Astron six guys in there, it has Kevin Smith in there. It's like they took like everything that any American would know about horror movies or like independent horror movies at all, and like they would shoehorn these in there for the people. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of beer drinking. Lots of hockey. You got It's just so Canadian to me. Um, and I don't know anything about Canada except what the TV tells me. <laughs> I've been there before. But, no, it's just really fun, and I really liked it. And uh, it's a blast. And it's it's like $12 on Blu-ray. I mean, I heard at Best yeah. Buy they have both of them together for, like, that price or something cheap like that. But the first one's okay, like I said. You might need to see it because uh, I forgot some plot points of the first one. And I was like, what? What's going on? And I was like, oh, now I kind of remember. But uh, it's just a lot of fun. I didn't see the first one, and I enjoyed it just as much. So, who's your favorite character in it? The robot. Oh, the robot was <laughs> awesome! I forgot about the robot. Wish he was in it a little bit more. I just want to look like that. It, it you know what? It kind of has the vibe of just a much goofier version of like Hubbo with the shotgun. Okay, I can see that. I love Hobo with the shotgun. That's I a good love movie that movie. Too. But yeah. Yeah, it feels kind of like it almost like comes from like the like a little goofier, zanier, sillier version of Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely in a weird like city where nobody's paying. No, nothing go. Nothing's exactly right. But and next I get Henry Zebrowski. Oh yeah, I was like Henry Zebrowski should have been in this movie. Yeah. He would have been perfect in this movie. I hear he's in Return to Nukem High. He's oh, in he? sequ- He's in Return to Return to Newcom High the second still <laughs> return to Newcom High <laughs> but there's so many people in it like that movie's been coming out for the last 10 years like I was like I'm excited no longer excited excited no longer excited but I'll be happy to see that one but another Wolf Cop I think it's really fun mm-hmm. what the hell is that sound Wolf Cop Wolf Cop Wolf Cop yeah there's a new cop in the streets Blue. You're a wolf cop. Put the dead bodies in my devil bay. Slashed faces with the head off your body. Slam a cold bullet on your body with the shotty. Don't bother trying to hide cuz there's no way you can run from the wolf cop. You promised me you would stay locked up. Where's your car? To try to hide from the wolf cop. I want its hairy head on my mantel cap. Oh, you damn The wolfie got a plan for get Frankenstein. Bring it all! Beast man! This This looks sort of bad. I'm the wolf cop. We don't need any unnecessary attention. Woodhaven PD is all about discretion. Yeah. You've got everything under control. Cause I'm the wolf cop. Yeah. Looks like I brought a knife to a wolf fight. Okay, guys, we're going to hop into the VHS Voyage, and this is Loch Ness Horror from 1980. Is it 81? 81, and uh, it's PG, and it's by Larry Buchanan. I guess Larry Buchanan did a bunch of low-budget kind of uh, crummy stuff, and this is absolutely no different. Okay, what we have here is these guys after the Loch Ness Monster, of course, and on top of that, there's a, a crazy old Scottish scientist who is... Um, been looking into this for years. In the very beginning of this movie, a plane crashes into the water, water into the Loch Ness in World War II, and uh, it all ties into the movie in ridiculous ways. Okay, what we have here is a, it's a really boring creature feature, to be honest. Um, okay, we, it opens up with two Americans diving for the Loch Ness monster. Within the first ten minutes, you see the monster. In full view, they don't hide anything, so they didn't obviously go to the Roger Corman school, maybe they did, but they didn't they didn't learn anything from it so uh the monster's shown in uh detail. he doesn't look very good; he looks kind of like um paper mache rubber. I appreciate it that they went out and made a monster flick because it's not the easiest uh movie to make actually in the eighties because you have so much special effects to compete with, and they obviously didn't have them it's It's dirt cheap. Uh, one of the characters dies and this is where the problem is he goes back and he says guy to the other guy we found the monster it doesn't matter who cares what happened to so who gives a shit basically he basically states he's acting completely weird he doesn't care about his dead friend he has an egg they didn't show the egg and uh Basically, this is what happens here. The movie is so ridiculous and so boring at most of the time. There's a there's a, a whole camp element here where these kids are camping in the woods, and they're just they make them the most unlikable kids. These, this pair of kids, the most unlikable, despicable people ever. And uh, of course, they set them up to one of them to be killed by Nessie. Uh, there's lots of bad uh, forced. Um, accents in here Scottish accents and I actually believe this had to be shot in Scotland if they didn't that's one thing I, I don't know exactly how the Loch Ness looks uh you know but uh, if they did shoot this uh, there, I mean, it does look like it, and uh, I gotta give them props for that. I do like the location, regardless—the woods and the the water and the atmosphere. It has a decent atmosphere, to be honest. But uh, the monster looks terrible. The acting is some of the worst I've ever seen, and the characters are abysmal. The dialogue's really horrible too. All that stuff, and the screen the, the screenplay is terrible too. At the very end of the movie, they introduce five or six new characters, or like four or five new characters that do major plot points in the, that, that that do major things in the movie but they have no character and they're introduced like they're going to have character, but they're only going to be in the movie for five more seconds. So it's just like, Oh my God, what? why, what's the point of this? It's just, it's really sloppy. It's just very, very dumb and very, very boring. And I kind of like the monster. I did laugh out loud when he appeared on screen by myself. And, uh, at times he looks like paper mache at times he's rubbery at times. There's uh smoke coming out of his nose. Uh, but the cutting, the editing, it's just it's just bad. It's just a bad movie all the way top to bottom. It's not well made. It's not well acted. Uh, a couple of the actors are a little bit better. Um, but for the most part it's just a lot of forced dialogue, a lot of like espionage element added into with the World War plane that's just garbage. It's just it's just uh, you know, beefs up the running time, which I don't want, but uh, I just I just can't recommend this one. It, it's really boring and uh, the cover art's great and I just wish it was more like that and less what it is, but um, just not good. Not a good movie at all. I'm sorry. I wish it was. I mean, I don't enjoy this any more than anybody you know, I mean, I don't enjoy watching bad movies like this, but it's not good. Loch or skip that one. Some people call it a legend. Others call it a lie. Is there a monster in the Loch Ness Bog? Or is Nessie just a horrible apparition swimming deep in the Scottish folklore? One man searches for science, another wants to pilfer for profit. But both find bloody horror. (coughs) The beastie gets mad when the hunters get nosy. And any fool knows you don't want to make a monster mad. The Loch Ness Horror. Don't come looking for Nessie unless you're looking to die. Okay, the pick-a-movie this week was uh, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. This is the Tartan DVD. I think there is a Blu-ray overseas, but it is out of print. You know what? I've never seen Tetsuo. I know it's uh, cyberpunk. It's... It's inspired so many things, you know, and I believe this stuff was kind of inspired by, like, David, uh, um, what's it, uh, David Cronenberg, and before that, I was told, like, novels and stuff, but this is a super strange movie, black and white, experimental, dirty, gritty. I love that kind of stuff. It's it's a very short movie, too, an hour long. We have this guy who um, appears to have gotten and uh, wronged some people. Him and his girlfriend have wronged uh, somebody in some sort of accident. Don't want to spoil too much. And it's kind of a revenge story. But instead of your typical, I'm going to go out and kill you or go out and do something bad to you, he does do something completely weird to him. He somehow injects this strange metal thing into his brain, which causes him to turn into this metal man, this organic metal thing that absorbs and changes uh, his molecular structure into some sort of like mecha suit and whatever he comes in contact with keeps absorbing it so we get this really nasty body whore man turned to metal thing and uh and about the halfway mark it turns into this strange comic book thing where he has to fight the guy who did that to him but he has more rusty parts and uh it's just strange and he has a drill drill wiener okay But it's so, such a weird, crazy movie, and the editing is perfect. The sound design is great, too. The sound design, at points, there's a, in the beginning, when there's a piece of metal growing out of his face, he grabs it and it, and the sound design and the way it was edited it just made me jump. I was like, "Whoa!" It kind of freaked me out a little bit. So that that was very interesting to see them do that, have that kind of power just by their editing and their sound design. And uh, it does a lot of stop motion. It does these weird cut-ins that work perfectly. This kind of surreal, industrial stuff that I really enjoyed. And I have seen movies that were inspired by this, you know, like uh, Machine Girl and other things like that. But I had actually never seen tetsuo and I, it's been on my long list of movies to check out for years. I had it, like I said, but I, I was kind of blown away. There's so many iconic images in the movie, and there's actually some really genuine scary moments when he meets the girl in the subway and she starts chasing him. That is just pretty intense stuff, and it gets very surreal and out-of-body stuff. And, and at the end of the movie, it's, you can tell it's just it's so ambitious, and it wants to be so much bigger than it, it can be. And I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out the sequels, but this is just a, a super bizarre, unique movie that uh, I, I, it looks like it was made on a budget, looks like Like, it was very experimental, and it it looks very good, too. I mean, like, as cheap, as good as cheap movies can look, I like, I wish I had the Blu-ray, to be honest. But I really liked how it looked. I really liked what they did. I thought it was edited fantastically. I thought the sound design was uh, fantastic. And I thought that there was some genuinely, like, gross, terrifying body horror moments in here. And, uh, you know, not many movies can pull off a drill penis and not come across hysterically uh, stupid. But uh, this one is uh, it's definitely a unique movie. There's not that many features on here, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it's an early DVD. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really happy, Uh, the person who picked that one for me to check out. uh, You know, I keep getting good movies, Woman on the Influence and Tetsuo. That's just such a wide array of movies. hop into the Pick a Movie drawing. If you guys ever want to enter, send me a message on Facebook or leave a message on the Screaming Toilet page or YouTube, whatever. But your name stays in the baggie until you're drawn. Last week was Timothy Haynes, and I'm sure he wants to do Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but I'm not 100%. So, Who's going to come out this time? We got John Bludgeon. I just put him in. Talk about luck, right? Just put you in. You just won. Let me know what you want me to do. Let's get into the Q&A. Andrew DMB from uh, YouTube asked me, what are your thoughts on Tarantino's films? Be curious to know how you feel about his films. I love his movies personally. I know a lot of people don't like them, but uh, you know, I like uh, that he loves movies and I can tell that he loves movies and sometimes I get the shout outs, sometimes I don't, but a lot of times I do. So I, I enjoy seeing that. And uh, he somehow uses the soundtrack and uh, music cues better than any other director now. right now, I think. Anyway, question upon that. Uh, what do you think about his latest film coming out next year or so? Not Sure, release date called Once about a Time in Hollywood. I'm excited to see it. I've I've seen all his movies in theaters since I was, uh, what, well, how old was I? Um, since I've been able to go, you know what I mean? Uh, I think I saw Grindhouse. Um, what was it? Grindhouse. Um, I saw all of them since there. Uh, Hayflay and Glorious Bastards, Django. I'll see anything he puts out in theaters, and I'll probably buy it even if I don't like it. So I just, I'm a big fan of his. 80s film fan. What is your favorite road horror thriller? Breakdown, Duel, Hitcher, The Car, Inc. I think mine would have to be the Hitcher uh, original, of course. I think that's mine, too. You know, I haven't seen as much road horror as I'd like, but uh, I really have a hard time picking anything better than the Hitcher. Hitcher's one of those movies that I haven't seen in a long time, but I memorized lines from the movie. He won't be going anywhere. Why is that? Because I cut off his arms and his legs and his head. That's one that always sticks in my head, that line. Matt Brown, what was your favorite release last year or so far this year? Last year... Uh, just some off the top of my head. Well, I, I wrote some down, but I didn't do like in-depth research, but I love Devil's Rain, Devil's Honey, Suspiria, Between Night and Dawn, the, uh, box set, Evil Ed, Brain Damage, Blood Rage. Those were all great releases. And favorite release this year so far is Night of Living Dead from Criterion. Uh, The Last House on the Left was great. Threads, Images, uh, Basket Case. Those are all really great releases that I thought were awesome. So yeah, hopefully that answered all your guys' questions. Now let's hop into the update. Okay, guys. Let's hop into the update. It's a pretty big one. Uh this one wasn't from the Kino sale, but it is a Kino title. I got this from Hamilton Books, pretty cheap. This is called Funny Bones. It has a nice cast. Uh Oliver Platt and Oliver Reed. Love Oliver Reed, so had to grab it. It only cost me. Set me back about seven bucks, so. Couldn't say no. Then we got. This is from the Kino sale. This is Report to the Commissioner. Not seen this one. Uh, I remember it had a decent looking cast, it looked pretty cool, I believe Yalpham Koto was in it, so I said why not, grabbed it, I believe he's in that one, yeah, Michael Moriarty as well, that's cool, then we have one of the sequels to uh, In the Heat of the Night with Cindy Partier and Martin Landau, uh, this is They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, I've never seen uh, the sequels, I know that they're more action oriented is what I hear, so cool. And what do we got next? Uh, Of course, can't have one without the other. The Organization with uh, Sydney again. So, again, these are Kinos. Kino had that crazy sale that uh, I picked up so many titles. Won't have to buy a lot from them for a while. We got The Offense with Sean Connery. Again, a Kino sale. Not seen this one. Looks cool. Gotta love Sean Connery. We have Monty Walsh with Lee Marvin. Gotta love Lee Marvin. Western here. Not seen this one. It's pretty cool. Keno again. Then we have the Highland of Dr. Moreau. Which, uh, the 77 one with uh, Burt Lancaster and uh, Michael York. I have seen this. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like this one. It's definitely better than the 90s one. I'll tell you that much. Then we have uh, the Hornet's Nest with Rock Hudson. Not seen this. I believe it's in the 70s action movie, uh, war movie. So, yeah. You know, I'll pretty much buy any horror or, like, action sci-fi that Kino puts out in general. War, western. They always put out cool stuff. Then we have Fuzz with uh, Burt Reynolds. Not seen this. But uh, I think I have all their Burt Reynolds movies now at this point that they put out on Blu-ray. I think they did White Lightning, Gator, Malone as well. And hundred rifles. We have uh this one across one hundred and tenth Street with uh, Anthony Quinn and Yalfam Codo So yep. See so, yeah, I was I had to double check he was in Report to Commissioner because I knew he was in one of those, but I guess he's in both of them. That's pretty cool. Then we got a uh, fifty-two pickup. This is a John Frankenheimer movie with um, Roy Scheider. So looked pretty good by the commercial. I think it was on the Malone uh, disc. Looked like it was a nice little thriller. Then we got uh, One Good Cop. I picked this up from uh, Bull Moose. It was a uh, Kino. Good sale, like $12, 13 Michael Keaton. Not seen this one. But, man, it looks so familiar. Maybe I caught parts of it. Then we have Firebirds. <laughs> this one was, again, good price. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Nicolas Cage. So, yep. Then we got some other ones here. We got uh, Andre Tchaikovsky's The Sacrifice, 4K scan from Kino. Not seen this, but the trailer looked amazing. So I grabbed it. Looks like it has a lot of stuff on there too. So cool. Then we have uh, Legend of the Mountain. This movie was again from Kino. This one looked insane. looked like it had lots of cool stuff going on. Had to grab it for the sale. And we got uh, the Salamander, this is a Kino uh, Scorpion release, so... has a nice cast down there. A lot of these you can never get that cheap, so when they have the sale I go a little nuts. Then we have a few Criterions that showed up, not all of them showed up, but a decent amount showed up. We got Cul-de-sac by Roman Polanski. Uh, I've never seen this one, so... I know Donald Pleasant's in it, that's enough for me to check it out, and Roman Polanski's name. Then we have uh, Michael Chima's Heaven's Gate. I know this was supposedly like an infamous disaster and changed the landscape of uh, independence for years, uh, being able to get funding for movies and whatnot. Uh, director of Deer Hunter. Not seen it. Has a has a great cast. It's supposed to be this like epic, long western. This is like a director's cut, the final cut, or whatever, but Heaven's Gate. Then we have uh, Silence of the Lambs. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen Silence of the Lambs. I never had the Blu-ray, so I'm glad to finally get it in this Awesome Criterion Edition. This is a classic. I mean, everybody loves Silence of the Lambs. You either like it or you're wrong. Then we have some DVDs. I went to Allied. This one's still sealed. It's a triple feature. Uh, American History X, which is a good movie. History which i have never seen. And True Romance, which is why I bought it. I love True Romance. Actually, one of my favorite movies I didn't have on Blu-ray. Had the DVD. Had the Voodoo Code. But these are three separate discs. And you can't get the True Romance disc in the States for that cheaper a lot. It's it's a lot more than $10. So for all three of them, three different discs, why not? Then we have this was two bucks. Dances with Wolves. (laughs) I mean, I'll hope to get those stickers off there eventually, but, you know, classic movie, Kevin Costner, you know, $2, why not? This one was 5 L.A. Confidential. It had been years since I've seen this movie. I wanted to recheck it out. I know it had a nice cast in there. It was pretty good, so, been a while. This was a surprise to see in an Allied used store around here. Birdman of Alcatraz with Burt Lancaster. It's an Oliver release. For 6 bucks. I had to grab it, you know. You don't see those every day. In and in a allied around here. But they had a bunch of uh, olive, which was pretty cool. What else do we have? We have Hercules from Scream. I got this from the Hamilton books. I was hoping the price would go down, but I had to kind of have these. Uh, Ennio Costarelli. They're supposed to be nonsensical, crazy. Like, with Lou Fragno is Hercules, so I couldn't pass it up. Then we got The Adventures of Hercules 2. This is, uh, again, Lou Fragno and Castorelli. I'm probably saying his name wrong. He's done tons of stuff, including uh, *Inglorious Bastards, the original. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking those out. And the last was a Hamilton books. This is The Baby Needs a New Pair of Shoes from Code Red. Uh, they had it pretty good price there, so I grabbed it. Not seen this movie. Don't know much about it. The trailer looked really wacky, so I grabbed it. And uh, a DVD, which I believe I already had. Uh, this is Catch or Catch-A, uh by Michael Haneke. So, yeah. I already had this one, but it was $3, and I couldn't remember if it was rare or not, so I grabbed it for that price. And it looks like it's actually still sealed, for the most part, just the shrink wrap off it. So, you know, for 3 bucks, I was willing to gamble. But let's hop back to the video, guys. Thank you very much, guys, for watching. And as always, you guys have a good one. Mm.